Alert, everyone. Alert. Just uh, want to hit this off right at the top. This is the last scheduled hitbox for the month of July in the year 2023. We'll be back in August, okay? I just want to get ahead of this so I don't forget, because I know that just in the second we start talking about video games, I am, I am going to totally forget what the hell else uh, is going on. Justin, you're going on your honeymoon, Woo! and I think that's kind of cool. I am excited. I'm going to be going to Italy. We're actually we're recording this the day before we fly out. I've never been overseas before. I've been, I was going to ask. So sorry, go on. Yeah, I've been I've been down seas. I've been to the Mexico, the, the Gulf of Mexico area, but I've never sure. been to Europe at all. So Oh my gosh. I'm, in, I'm so excited for you. I know. I'm really I'm really kind of excited, except usually I look forward to airplane rides to play yeah. video games. Mm-hmm. Like it's just what you do on an airplane ride. You play video games. Maybe you read a yeah. book or something like that. Whatever. Um, but the flight leaves at 3.45 p.m. In the afternoon? P.m., yep. yeah, so at night. And then I believe we land in the morning at 7 or 8 in Rome, which is awesome. But so I need to sleep on the plane ride. Otherwise, I'm going to be so freaking tired because we're going to get to Italy early in the morning, and then we're just going to have our whole day. And I'm not going to be napping day one. That's that's weak. No. That's weak behavior. Right. That's, yes, that's unacceptable. But I don't know about you. I cannot sleep on airplanes. Um, no, no, uh, not well. Like not like deep, real sleep. So you know, uh, we we've we've tried to get everything we needed. I have a little neck pillow to try to lean on, but it's like yep, a yep. support you wrap around your face, look like an idiot. Um, and then we have these like leg hammocks we're gonna put on the seat in front of us and like have oh, our, our feet nice. suspended. But I, I just don't think I'll be able to because I'll be like stoked we're leaving. I'll be excited. I'll be adrenaline up. Sure, sure, that's fair. Um, all that said, like w- when you fly internationally, like I'm sure you've taken like like late night flights. Oh, you and I went on a late night flight. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for yeah. your bachelor party. Like they, you know, they dim the lights in the cabin so that it does get like dark. You know what I mean? Um, so that if you want to sleep for an international flight, like you are more than welcome to. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, it's it's a little tricky. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I've always found like whenever I fly internationally, which hasn't been like a ton, you know what I mean? But like as long as I sort of look at where I'm going and I try and get sleep in accordance to where I'm headed that first day, if you can sort of like pre jet lag yourself, if that makes sense, like you can chalk it up to like oh i just had a bad night of sleep last night yeah i'm still gonna enjoy myself as opposed to just being like i'm totally like off the rhythm of when time exists you know what i mean yeah part part of part of my plan this i i said this and my and my wife was like don't um well she didn't say it she like looked at me like i shouldn't um or that it was a bad idea i said i should just stay up all night tonight so when i came back from australia or rather this was i was flying back from new zealand right i the morning before, like like the day of my flight, I woke up at U.S. time, Illinois time. Mm-hmm. So even though that was like crazy, it was I think it was really early, like crazy early. I was up then and then tried to go to sleep when it was time to go to sleep. You know what I mean? Yeah. And in that way, like like I said, like I didn't sleep great or really probably at all, but like. When I got home, you just sort of chalk it up to like, oh, I had a bad night of sleep, but I'm adjusted yeah. to 
you know. Because when you flew from New Zealand, you you flew, like, I get you flew backwards in time, correct? Correct. Yeah, I, I landed the day I left. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then, like 45 minutes later. Yeah, so and I, then, like, in time. That's crazy, by the way, just to think <laughs> it's, about it's that. It's wild. Yes, it is very weird. <laughs> because when we're, we're going, we're flying a direct from, like, Chicago to Rome, so we're going to be yeah. going... Like in the future, like we're going. So it's like nine hours, right? Yeah, like in, yeah. in ahead. Yeah. Um. So so going home will be harder. Well, no, no, going home will be harder. I think. I don't know. I don't want to think about going home on the honeymoon right now. No, no. Uh, it's it's it's. I think you're gonna be all right. Yeah. I think yeah. you're gonna be all right. And then like you know the important thing then is like. Wait, to to make sure that you are like the least jet lagged you can possibly be when you land, you know, it'll be daytime or whenever, but just like making sure that you are like, okay, we're going to try to sleep when it is sleep time and try to be awake when it is time to be awake, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think, I think you'll get it. Okay. Oh, I'm so I, excited for you though. Is like your first like international travel. Like I know it's like a very, it's a huge privilege to be able to do that. You know what I mean? So like me saying like, I think everyone should, uh, like I, I know it's like a, you know, like that's a very privileged statement, but like, I think when you go internationally, like you learn so much and you, you, you know, get to experience different cultures and, and whatever. Like, I think it can really, really expand the old brain. One of my like suggestions always is when you're in college, it's the perfect yeah. time oh, to yeah. study abroad. And I mean, you did that when, when you were in college, but like, you're still paying tuition. So like you would be paying tuition to your school, wherever that is. Yes. So you might as well pay tuition to learn in a different country and you can get that whole experience of being somewhere else. I say that I never did that personally, but like, I feel like you need to, if you're, that's something you should do. You should do that yes. at some point. Um, yes. So I'm really excited about the culture shock. Um, Italy uh, will be, a I don't know, challenging is the wrong word. Um, Claire speaks, uh, not like uh, incredibly fluently, but she understands enough French. She like took a oh, bunch cool. of French and like she'll she'll be able to like understand enough of that. Um, Wait, French? Yeah. In Italy? Well, we're going, sorry, we're going to Italy and then France. Gotcha. Okay, so, I was okay, like, Justin, so, she's so, not going to do great No, she'll be, she'll be like, <laughs> like, wait a second. No, no, so, so like, uh, like Italy will be like, a, a very different thing, but I'm, I'm sure like uh, it, we'll, we'll survive. We have phones, we have communication. You're going to so, you're gonna have so much fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. In fact, I think I'd be more, uh, it'd be harder, uh, to understand when people are talking like a different, like type of English, <laughs> like when you're in Australia oh, yeah. and they're talking oh, about, yeah. hey, do you have a spider today? And you're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, I'm exploited. I'm like, what are you talking about? I have no idea. You know, you wank up. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know? That's actually a decent, like a decent little accent there. Oh, you know, I, I got to prepare for when I'm 42 and I go to Australia. You go to Australia. <laughs> yeah, no, a thousand percent, a thousand percent. Uh, well, yeah, so we are, uh, again, this is the last regularly scheduled episode of Hitbox for July. We are going to be back in August. Um, if you are a deluxe Patreon producer, which we'll mention in in a second here, um, more information about bonus episodes and whatever else will be coming, uh, later down the line uh, in this week's bonus episode. So listen there. If you're, you're curious about that sort of stuff, um, th that has been my programming announcement. It's Headbox. <laughs> Thank you.
What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Hitbox episode number 152. I, I mentioned this on Twitter. I We've hardly made any sort of pomp and circumstance about it two weeks ago. We've passed 150. That's, that's insane. That's a lot. Yeah. And when you look at it, like we have missed one episode over the past 152 weeks. Like, that's a pretty good hit rate. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah. in terms of... of getting episodes out there so and even then break, well deserved and yes. even then we we still sometimes we have multiple episodes we have spoiler casts coming on top of other stuff we are just giving content out e3 when that existed oh. we did all sorts of coverage for that remember we did an episode every single day and that was crazy r.i.p so e3 i literally was doing those those uh podcasts like i was at nationals with my kids but we were like it was yeah, like, yeah. you know whatever so i was sitting in the front office like right across from the principal's office podcasting while they were competing in different offices in the school <laughs> like it was great. Yeah, that was the, that was those are the times those are the times so happy 150 hitbox Woo. um I think you I think you I think you did say something like hope we're as good as hitboxes when we're 150 and <laughs> by then you know we'll have our cyber implants and all that sort of stuff so we'll look the same but um yeah you know you, you get what we're trying to say my name is Peter Hunspatek and joining me as always is my wonderful friend and co-host Justin Makovich Justin other than being excited for your trip how are you doing I've been doing a lot of prepping my house for moving like yeah. a lot oh. of that stuff let me tell you people um paint you got to get good at painting in life like that's a that's a that's a skill because Are you talking like rollers you talk about with brushes like yeah 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 like wall painting like painting your walls yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that because you create a lot more work for yourself because when I first moved into this place I guess six seven years ago at this point um, I painted every wall I touched every surface and I did a bad job of it sure. so now whenever I have to like repaint a wall half of the time is me fixing my poor paint job <laughs> and like, you know, like making sure I like cut up all the extra drips and like I have to re like do everything. So it just takes a lot longer now because I was so bad, but my skills have leveled up. This house was a great canvas for my improvement, but there's still sure. one thing I hate in terms of like home repairs. I got to make sure uh, I, I got to make sure I yeah, go ahead. say this correctly because it might come out incorrectly. I hate caulking stuff. Ah, Yes. Yeah. First caulking. Of all, first of all, I hate the word caulking. <laughs> it, you really got to tiptoe around it, don't yeah, you? You really, you really got to make sure you hit the all. You hit the, you know, the UL. Yeah. Yeah, I really get that in there. Um, but it's like one of the most frustrating things because it's usually like the last thing you do in a job. If yes, you're like yes. you know, doing a bathroom or whatever, you want to make sure you get that in there. But it is like you need three hands. One of them has to be wet. One of them has to be dry. The other one has to be wiping all at the same time. So I don't know how people do it. If you use a little, have you ever caulked before? Uh, I have helped caulk um, <laughs> the bathtub in my parents' house. Probably, I think when I was in high school. Yeah. Uh, but when I say I helped, I believe I held it for a single moment and then was like, "Oh, this I should not be. Yeah. This is not for me. It's this not. is not my skill set. No. And usually, it's like a high stakes thing because when I'm talking about caulking, I'm doing that like in a bathroom to like make sure I'm waterproofing surfaces, right? Yes. So like if I don't do it correctly and I miss a spot or I like get it to a bad spot, you're either going to get mold buildup underneath it or you're going to destroy all the stuff like, of the walls like that you can't yeah. see, right? The good thing about this is that we're moving, so my neighbors will have to deal with that down the line when we're not here anymore, but I don't want to do that personally. And then plus when we move in, I'm going to have to caulk um, all of our bathrooms and stuff as well. So also, I feel like with caulking, um, <laughs> like you can do a good job on everything else. But then like since it's sort of like the last little step, if you do oh, a bad yeah. job on that, it's like, oh, this is just all 
all ruined and, and all, all bad. And it's really um, hard to fix your mistake because once it's on there, then you have to really scrape it off and like it's just oh not, yeah, because it gets it gets hardened and mm, well yeah well <laughs> <laughs> well if you cock up the cocking you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well we could talk about about home repairs all day Justin believe me I know that we could but uh, we're not going to instead here's a quick preview of what's coming up in video game news Microsoft gives us a glimpse surprisingly at upcoming playstation hardware rare doesn't think anyone wants a new banjo kazooie and ai voice acting may prove to be a big problem in the future we're going to talk about all of those headlines and more before we do a quick uh psa jump into our our, our discord server link to that is in the description of this episode support us on patreon if you're feeling monetarily generous that's uh patreon.com slash hitbox pod become a one dollar podcast producer or a three dollar deluxe podcast producer like jay noel and dave parker again to our deluxe podcast producers uh if you are worried about getting your bang for your buck this month uh with our absence make sure you listen to this week's episode um because we're just going to go over what our plan is to make sure that you guys get the uh content that you pay for and that you so uh generously support us to receive um so if you want to join their ranks however three dollars a month become a deluxe podcast producer or again one dollar a month for just a podcast producer uh get your name in the show get that get those bonus episodes every week again 30 ish minutes usually it's more frequently it's more uh of bonus content for you to enjoy in your ears i didn't like how i said it but i did i'm <laughs> gonna keep moving on uh, if you can't support us there, all good. Follow us on Twitter at HitboxPod. I bet uh, I should probably start making different social media accounts for us as they have all been popping up, but none of them have really uh, seemingly ta- taken off in a way that has been significant. I don't know. Maybe threads will be it. Who who knows? Um, social media is a nightmare. I, I, only, I only desire podcasts, okay? That's how I want to keep up with everyone. Everyone's got a podcast anyway, so just send me your feeds. I'll listen to them. Yeah, give me those um, RSSs. We'll, exactly. we'll take care of it, you know? Exactly. Justin, let's talk about the video games that came out this week. What do you say? Let's do it! Metacritic I lied. So there's no video games that came out this week, or rather none that were notable enough for us to talk about. However, one game uh, was released, what, two weeks ago? That June 30th. Uh, so that's over a week ago at this point. Um, that now has a Metacritic score. And it is a Nintendo first party game. <gasps> that's right. Everybody oh. want to switch. Uh, it's finally here. This was the game that was uh, seemingly shelved for... Uh, the foreseeable future uh, that was uh, according to a report last year because it was just not very good. Uh, now it is here on the Nintendo Switch. Again, this is a first party Nintendo game. Uh, these are the people who brought to you Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, uh, Super Mario Odyssey, to just name a few of their most recent classics. But truly, Nintendo, uh, what other what other developer has has a list of of classics and hits quite like them? Let me answer that for you. Nobody. So everybody wants to switch. Everyone's imagining is going to be just, you know, the best thing in the world here. This is, again, the follow up to one to switch a switch launch title that uh, showcased the power <laughs> the power of the Nintendo switch. Uh, it scored 56. <laughs> hey, Peter, a uh, question. How many balls are yeah. in your switch? Uh, what? In your Joy-Con. How many balls are in your Joy-Con? Do you know? <laughs> What are you asking me? <laughs> that, that was literally one of the games in the original um, uh, one to switch one to switch. Yeah, it was like you had your Joy-Con and you got to move it around and guess how many balls were in it. 
Wow, uh, that context really does add a lot in terms of me understanding what the hell you were asking me. Um, that's hysterical. Because oh yeah, because they had like when they first showed off the switch. I remember they showed off that you could like detect how many like ice cubes were in a drink in yep. the Joy Cons. Yep, that's how that's how strong uh, the the uh, Joy Con is. You know, such as the power. Yeah, can I tell you? Oh, because yeah, it was like they're like three D Rumble or something they called yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can I tell you something? Usually whenever like like new gaming hardware comes out and they show off like the features of like, here's what you could do with it. I always get so excited. I'm always like, that sounds so interesting. Like what kind of game would that be? Like a bartending simulator? You know what I mean? Where you have, you could like feel how many ice cubes are in something like that. Or, like, <laughs> even, you know, you, you know, we're joking around about like how many balls are in your, your joy con, but like, that's, that's an interesting concept. Like what, what do people want to do with that? Or like a lot of stuff with like the PlayStation controller, right? Like the, the dual sense stuff, like, one or two games have used it and that's it you know like with the with the switch controllers like one or two games and they're all launch games have used the the interesting things that you can do with a joy con otherwise it's just like nothing you know i, I mean i think um, that really speaks to like these these things are cool and like interesting gimmicks but when they become gimmicks like people aren't going to be developing for that like final fantasy uh, 16 does that have any uh features of the dual sense <laughs> Uh, it has, it's got one. Oh, it's got one, Justin. Uh, so, uh, in the game, you frequently will go through doors, right? Just like doors, you know, you know, like things that A door. separate rooms. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and sometimes, you know, usually you'll, you'll just press X to open the door. Uh, and I know like I'm like making it sound like it's a joke, but like, this is like real, like this is part of the game. And there's like a tutorial message that pops up when this happens at the beginning. Uh, usually you just hit X and you open the door seamlessly and you, you know, Clive walks through it or opens it or whatever. Uh, but sometimes you'll hit X and then on screen, um, it'll, there'll be a button prompt that says R2. So then you hold down the right trigger and you, there's a little bit of resistance and then he opens the door. So it's like when he's opening heavier doors, but, um, but they use it. <laughs> that is, they do use the controller for that, and you feel the resistance and the trigger. I, like I'm, I'm serious. That happens, <sighs> and, and like I don't know why. <laughs> you know, <laughs> amazing, amazing. They use it. Yeah. They use the hell out of that dual sense. Yeah. Well, we're gonna talk about uh, Final Fantasy 16 a little bit more in a, in a minute here. But uh, before we do, just uh, what everybody wants to switch. Uh, you know, a 56. It's not a not an incredible score. It seems like. Pretty much most people seem to agree, most critics seem to agree here, saying, uh, I think this this excerpt from Nintendo Life um, sums it up pretty well. Um, Everybody One Two Switch is a perfectly serviceable party game when playing through one of the mini games that offers something new, but those moments are few and far between. The rest of the games are not by any means bad, but they fail to stand out on the already loaded table of Nintendo Party titles. Combine this with the noticeable step down on quality when playing the, with fewer people, and we are left thinking that this is a game which will only be bought out, uh, brought out in very specific circumstances. It's a perfectly harmless party game, but it doesn't come close to what Nintendo has achieved in, um, in the genre in the past. Uh, I, I think it's also worth pointing out digital trends. Uh, they, they talked about how like a lot of these games are like only as good as the people you're playing with. You know what I mean? Like I played a game around of Quiplash with my parents and siblings once, um, and my older brother made a pretty good call we did one round we just called it just it was like not, <laughs> not it's just not fun you know what i mean and, and there's other better um 
like Jackbox games to play with with that group of people. You know what I mean? And so like that's that's something that is going to define a lot of these things. But what's great about Jackbox is that they offer like so many different like types of games to play. You know what I mean? So that, okay, if Quiplash isn't going to be the thing that everyone's going to like be good at, like let's do the trivia game like or or Fibbage or whatever, you know. Um, But it seems like this is maybe not an excellent example of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, do you know how much this game costs too? Uh, 50, I think. Did we look it up once? Like, I, that, like, regardless, that's still expensive. And I think going back to the original, uh, one, two switch, that was a very similar critique that people had of that game, right? That wasn't enough content. It felt like a tech demo. You play the games once or twice and then you're good with them. This one, it's like the same general thing, except you need more people in order for it to be fun is basically yes. what the difference is. Um, I do want to say that I was going through the old uh, one, two switch uh, meta score that scored a 58 slightly better. Um, but the, <laughs> the number one uh, score, it got a 90 by time magazine. That's right. Shout the time, time magazine. magazine. I know it was the only 90. And they said the title of their review is one, two switch is the real reason to buy the Nintendo Switch. And I just want everyone to remember that the Switch launched in Breath of the Wild was something you could, in fact, play on it um, at launch. So... Two things. A thing one, uh, everybody wants to switch is twenty nine ninety nine, uh, uh, and we'll stay there because Nintendo will never discount any of these games ever. <laughs> never. Um, but also, I mean, like you know, as as silly as that sort of title is for something like one two switch, when you know whatever else was out for it, uh, snipper clippers, obviously, like that was <laughs> going to be dipping into that. Um, I think I think that does speak to that though, right? Where like the the mileage people are going to get going to get out of something like this is going to vary, right? Um, because if you're having a really good time with the people who are, if, if the people that are playing the games, like really vibe with them, like you're gonna have a good time. Right. But if, if it's kind of like, Oh, no one wants to play the cowboy game. Oh, no one wants to milk the cow. Oh, no one wants to do the, the yoga one. Like it, it's just not going to be a good time. You know what I mean? But if you have a group of people who's like all into it and, and able to like make a good time out of something that might not be at, like actually that fun on its own, like you know, you're going to have a, a better time than, than others, but shout out time magazine with the, with the good gaming hot takes. Ah, man. Can you believe 2017 was when the switch came out? (laughs) Dude, we talked about this on a bonus (laughs) episode when we talked about like Zelda, but like, yeah, man, like life is like life moves on. It it just leaves you behind. (laughs) Just it it really does. Um, are you going to, are you picking up Munchie switch or everybody wants you switch Justin? I think we said this when we were first talking about it, it might be one of those things that I will put up the $30. If for whatever reason we are at like a specific weekend with a good group of people, but even then it doesn't see like, I'm I would not, just rather play quiplash right, or, like, or any of the Jackbox games, like, right? I never, like, or the original one to switch, but I don't feel like there's yeah. going to be a situation where I'm going to be around like a hundred people that I want to play this game with or for. So I just don't know if that's working. Yeah, um, I, I know that like th- this might be kind of an entitled thing to say because so many games are free right now. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's really getting free games right now is like a very common thing, you know, which is like kind of a relatively new thing. I feel like a game like this, like the first one to switch and this seemed like they would have been really good pack in games. Oh, 100 for the switch, you know, um, I, I don't know. Like we're going to talk about maybe the possibility of like new switch hardware in a minute here, but like maybe for that, or maybe it should have come out with the OLED, you know, um, you know, two years ago, whenever that came out. But yeah, I don't know. Like, 
I'm, yeah. I'm passing for now. Yeah. I'm passing. Um, I'm just pulling up real quick because speaking of like games that I think are like good, like tech demos, remember uh, the uh, Wii Sports? That was a pack-in yeah, with exactly. the Wii, and that made it one of the most successful like systems of all time. Um, I'm just looking at best-selling Switch games here. I'm trying to find Nintendo Switch Sports. So that game came out. Oh, it sold really well, didn't it, for it, some reason? And it's the 20th best-selling Switch game. Um, Wild. Which is insane to think about. Um, at 9.6 million, it just got surpassed by Tears of the Kingdom. Look at that. Isn't that crazy? Tears of the Kingdom, 19th best-selling Switch game. will only do better, I'm sure. I imagine. Because uh, they had a really good quarter, didn't they? Oh, yeah. Or, 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 or like they just had, like, they released some numbers or something like that about, about Switch sales and stuff. And, like, how it's just impressive, like, for a, a console that's sort of at the end of its rope, it sort of seems like that, that, that it's going to just keep pushing. But... Um, yeah, so so there you go. Everybody one two switch. Justin, between packing for your life and then packing to move and and packing for your trip, uh have you had any time to play any video games? Yeah, a little bit. Um so we did have a 4th of July weekend that I spent at um a family's house in Michigan. And when I mm-hmm. say house, like you know they call them lake houses. This is their actual house. Like they live That's in so this sick. house like full time. In their backyard, you have like 2 yards of grass and then a lake. That's awesome. With a dock. So that was what I did. So I didn't have super much time. I did play Tears of the Kingdom. And Mm -hmm. I did do something that I I set out to do. And now I think I'm done with the game for now. I got every single light route in the depth. Oh, wow. I did it. I did it all. I got it all. And I thought something fun was going to happen when I did it. And something did happen. You get this little medallion in your inventory that does nothing other than tell people that you've done oh, it. Oh, well, that's kind of a disappointing. I know. Like some of them were like actually like pretty tough to get to as well. Yeah. Um, eventually I ended up just getting a hover bike and floating around the, the depths in order to do it. Um, yeah. And like, I didn't make it right cause I didn't have the patience. So everything was a little bit to the left. So it kept like <laughs> slowly yeah. just going to the left, but I did it and I got through it and I realized that in order to actually go um, left, I had a circle right in order to not fall off the bike. So whenever I'd have to like, yeah, I'd have to like do a big loop (laughs) circle every time I did it. Um, But yeah, now, now that whole, the whole underground is, uh, is revealed to me. Um, And I do wish uh, that there was a better way. Like, I know you get those stamps to mark the map, obviously. Yeah. I still wish they did a little bit better job in the depths of marking things when you found them. Cause you know, like up, up in the, in the top level, you get like, Oh, here's a cave or a well, they like actually mark that stuff on the map. Yeah. And it'll like check off if you've done. I love that kind of stuff. So I wish they would do that again, just to make it slightly more readable of a map. It doesn't have to like be a crazy thing where you populate the stuff to do. Once you do it or complete it, they should do it. I think those quality of life things could help the depths. Um, but I said this before, the depths to me, if you are missing original um, Breath of the Wild type of exploration that's a little bit more contained and not re- re- like relying so much on like the sky and floating up and like going to places, um, it reminds me a lot of the original Breath of the Wild about just like kind of going through, climbing a mountain in the dark, trying to get to the top of it, exploring stuff. And um, it, it was just a fun little throwback. And I think it was a nice way for me to put my my time with Tears of the Kingdom to bed. Sure, sure. I um, I think I'm putting it down for now. I mean, like I did, you know, a lot. <laughs> uh, I, I did the, th- the thing that I set out to do was, um, 
you see those mazes? Yeah. There's like one in the north, one in the south, yeah, southwest, and then like one in the east. Um, I did all three of those. Those are kind of fun quests. And when you do them, you get um, a, a kind of a really cool armor set, in my opinion. Um, and uh, but but I think like now that I've completed it, it's a it's a little aimless, not aimless, but like it's hard to find like one big objective to work towards. You know what I mean? Um, but uh, I mean, I mean, I, I had a fantastic, wonderful time with that game. Like I, I can't think any more highly about that game than 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 I think I already do. So um, it, yeah, it, I, I'm I'm putting it to bed for right now. But also, you know, I'll pull it out whenever I'm. And that's the thing, the, the fact that I can come back to this game and still have a ton of different stuff to do. Um, whereas I feel like with Breath of the Wild, you kind of came back and it was just like you were done. Like there's yeah. not much. There's so much more you can do. Build new machines, uh, even like some of like the armor sets and making sure you upgrade all your armor. It just feels like there's more, even though I know there's really not there's you could do that in Breath of the Wild. But yeah, such a good what a freaking good game of the year right what a fantastic game uh Justin, i've been i've been playing a lot of games here uh and, and i want to talk about them a little bit with you just because it's kind of a light news week it's almost like there was like a like a national united states holiday or something yeah um, national scare the shit out of your dog week <laughs> yeah absolutely uh well so i've been playing a lot of final fantasy 16 i'm i'm the, the you know how like uh sometimes when you are on your playstation like dashboard like when you like are over the game tile it'll say in the like the bottom right corner like how long you've played and like it'll give you like a percentage yeah mark yeah. i like i that. never know yeah i do too uh I, I never know like what is that referring to that percentage mine says 50 percent right now so i've played about 20 hours it says 50 percent. i have no idea if, the, if that's in reference to like 100 percent completion main story quests whatever um but it says that I'm at 50%, which it feels kind of like that in terms of like what's going on in the story. Um, I've got some interesting thoughts about that now that I've played it a little bit more. I, I still do like it. And I still do think it's good. Um, but I think a lot of like. It is a very shallow game in, in terms of its mechanics. Uh, pretty much uh, like when, when we talked last about it two weeks ago, like when it just came out, um, I sort of ran you through like how the combat works. That's kind of all there is to it. Like like you aren't unlocking like crazy new abilities all the time. Um, every maybe five hours you get a new icon ability or like a new icon that's awakened inside of you, which those are the summons. Um, and those give you like special abilities that are on cooldowns, but you only get to use two of those abilities at once. So you have to like choose out of between like four different abilities, like which one you want. Um, but they, they don't like ultimately like add a whole lot of like depth, to, depth to things. You know what I mean? Um, that the RPG elements that it, it, we talked about this, right? Like there's just like not a lot of like the RPG stuff in a game that comes from Square Enix, you know, a studio that's like so known for doing RPGs. Um, and, and I think this is going to make people mad, but I saw this comparison and I do not think that this is incorrect. Uh, <laughs> someone said someone that I, that I admire their opinions on video games and whatever. One of the editors, uh, that I'm, uh, that I know, uh, said that like, Hey, if you liked, Final Fantasy 16, you'll also like Forspoken. <laughs> and hey, and hey, I I don't think they're wrong. And and I think that they are very similar games, but the caveat is Final Fantasy 16 has things that make it much better than Forspoken in my opinion. For example, like 
the combat design in Final Fantasy 16 is really good. It's very shallow in the same way that Forspoken's combat is really shallow. It's it, there's like not a whole lot to it in the same way that you know Forspoken is like that. But Final Fantasy 16's combat feels really good to pull off and do and, and all that sort of stuff. So like like I see what, what they mean there. When you look at like the side quests and the the like quote unquote open world of Final Fantasy 16, it is so shallow. The side quests are basically not worth doing. They even like there are there are two types of side quests. The side quests that you find that's just like go here, kill these three things, come back, or even just like go talk to this one person on one side of town, talk to this other person on the other side of town. Side quest complete. Like that stuff sucks. Is so shallow, hardly even worth doing. Right. But then there are other side quests that are marked with a plus on their like side quest like quest marker. Um, and those will give you like upgrades. So like, I, that's how you unlock a chocobo to ride around on, which I don't know why you would, because you really don't spend a whole lot of time in that open world. And even when you do, you're getting into fights frequently enough to the point where like, (laughs) you're going to have to hop off that chocobo anyway, you know what I mean? And and it also doesn't run that fast, um, compared to like how fast you run at top speed. Um, so, so like, it is it is a shallow game in that similar way that Forspoken is a pretty shallow game. However, the combat is really excellent, so it sort of has that saving grace. And then also, the story is a lot more engaging and much better written. I think it's at times overwritten. I think there's like a lot of the times like some scenes will drag on when it's like they could have been a lot shorter and and they feel like they're going on a little long, but I think the writing is much better and I think the storytelling is much better than in in Forspoken. But so um, when when I am thinking of Final Fantasy 16, by the way, this is a game that I'm really excited to play. I just haven't mm-hmm. been able to play it. And this is the the I'm going to be sad when I come back from my honeymoon. First thing I'm going to do is play this game. Sure. Like just some something I've been looking forward to. So yeah. the thing that drew me into this game was not the combat. In fact, the, the fact that people compare it to like a Devil May Cry type of game scares me a little bit <laughs> like that. Those aren't the kind of games I like. Um, let me say this. It is it is like that kind of, but not enough to be like, I wouldn't say that this is like Bayonetta and Devil May Cry to the 10th, like like 100 percent like that. It's yeah. just similar enough in, in its style. Yeah. But go on. So the thing that draws me in is the story. Yeah. With you playing for 20 hours, you sold me immediately by telling me on your first uh, uh, talk about the game that the story was awesome. It seemed really cool. 20 yeah. hours in does that hold up yes but i think this is the case with a lot of final fantasy stuff like the highs are really high but you know but like it's so clear when it's just padding yeah and the and the and like you will get into a point where like oh my gosh they're just gonna pad this for two hours yeah you yeah. know what i mean where nothing of consequence happens where you're just running you know here and there and whatever um the, the, when the big story beats happen and and like don't get me wrong like most of the time it's really good and and the moment to moment writing is is usually very good so it's it's there's no none of that like eye rolling sort of stuff that we've talked about in the past with other final fantasy stuff um so so like it makes the padding a lot more bearable where it's like oh this is a interesting scene you know but like there are a lot of things that's like this what is this adding nothing you know what i mean like this isn't adding like character characterization to anyone this isn't adding like anything to the overall plot or story or anything like that but um no the story is is still very good and i think at the core of what makes the story solid is that its characters are um really really well written and i've seen people complaining about um how the how the story treats jill 
um, the the woman that, that's in your party. And like, I do agree with, with, I, I do echo a lot of those criticisms, but I still don't think that like, and it, this isn't like, <laughs> this is hardly a comp, like this is hardly words of praise, but like when you look at where final fantasy has, what a final fantasy has done with some of its women characters in the past, I would say the fact that she's a little underwritten is like, better than what it has been again that's like that's not a compliment i'm not saying like oh good job they did a good job making this character underwritten as opposed to being like completely objectified and sexualized but like i i think that's maybe in my opinion the worst thing you could say about her you know what i mean it's yeah, just like yeah. oh she is underwritten a little you know a, a bit but um but even then like i do think she has her her time to shine and and i do um, think she's got some cool stuff that that happens with her um, I'm in the middle of a big arc with her right now, but so the the second thing is the um, the linear nature of the game, right? It's yep. very much like you're just going here, doing this, whatever. Yep. Does the combat does it at least change a little bit enough to keep it semi fresh? Are the enemies more difficult or whatever, or is it just kind of like the same basic button inputs just on a bigger scale? You can mash your way through until you get to any of the bigger boss fights. Okay. Uh, and, and boss fights happen pretty frequently. There's like a lot of them in the game. I've been covering those. Uh, like I've been doing like written guides for like a lot of the more challenging boss fights. And that's the stuff that I really like because you have to really be like keeping an eye out for like when to dodge because there's no blocking in the game. To avoid taking damage, you have to either parry, which is just has you attacking at the exact moment that an attack lands on you, or dodge. Uh, and, and when you dodge, you get like some like invincibility frames to like then launch a counterattack. And that stuff I think is really good with with the um, more challenging fights. Other than that, like a lot of the basic enemies, it, it's kind of like just mash, kind of mash heavy. Um, and I think a problem that the game has too is y you have the ability to like launch enemies. And a lot of your, like when you end a combo, let's say a lot of the times like an enemy will go flying backward and then you like, you have the, the ability to like instantly dash to an enemy to then like keep fighting, like keep hitting them. But then like you just end up like traveling a really long distance. And I found that like a lot of the fights with the um, like just basic, you know, r random grunts enemies, like, end with me just like in the corner of the arena you know what i mean just yeah, like yeah, yeah like knocking them further and further and further and then i'm just sort of like stuck there but it doesn't change that much but the added difficulty of those bosses makes it more interesting and engaging in my opinion okay so the bosses are enough to kind of like keep things moving yes a, a little bit okay yes. uh and, and then, they're cinematic enough and and you like the 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 best bosses come at the best moments in the story yeah so that's always like a really good like oh cool this is like it's really going down, you know, a nice payoff. Um, I saw someone on, on Twitter. I forget who it was. If they're famous, I'm sorry for not quoting you. They're like, some people say that this game is like Game of Thrones. That's not true. This game starts off like Game of Thrones and turns into Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> oh, dude, a thousand percent. It's all about like power levels yeah. and like and that sort of stuff. Um, no, a hundred percent. It is. It is totally Dragon Ball. Um, it, it, but it's it's cool. Like it's it's good and it's fun. Um, and I think the story goes in interesting places. And I think Clive as a main character is, is pretty interesting. Um, uh, cause, cause he, I think final fantasy does this a lot. And I think they're usually very successful with someone like Clive or cloud or like on the surface, like, Oh, it's just like a gruff, boring action guy. But, Oh, it turns out Clive actually has a lot to say. And, and he has a lot of uh, layers to him that I think are uh, really interesting and explored. Um, I also think it's interesting too. A lot of the game, uh, talks about slavery, uh, 
And I've found that video games don't do that well very often. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, I, I think it's just a medium where like it, it, it's just not always handled with like great taste or anything like that. And it's funny because Final Fantasy 16 will sometimes like really nail what it's trying to say in one scene. And then the next scene is like, guys, who did the same person write this? What is it? <laughs> like, it is so like then it is so like on the nose, offensive, yeah. like David Cage ass type <laughs> writing. You know what I mean? Uh, and and so it's 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 like the good stuff is really good. And usually the good stuff will line up like across the board in terms of like, oh, this character is really well written and well acted in this scene. And like, oh, and this like the the plot is like moving forward in a really interesting way here and here and here. Um, and like and the gameplay, like like all of the, that stuff like meshes really well for like two hours and then for an hour it's like oh it sucks <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> yeah it's like yeah. i think i think it's like the disparity is, is kind of interesting but uh there you go that's final fantasy 16 still excited to play it but um I, I it's not like i don't i would be shocked if this is my game of the year yeah like like, like this might be shocking because like i'm i'm hot on this game and i do like it i would give it like a seven out of ten yeah with, with like a recommendation of like it's a good game you know what i mean oh um, is that is that what you gave for spoken <laughs> no i think that was a five or <laughs> i would have said like a five or like a is not like because while while final fantasy 16 is as shallow as Forspoken is in the exact same ways it is carried by good performances by good writing like moment to moment and like overall like writing stuff uh and, and like the combat's good even though it's shallow, it's still flashy and satisfying, which you cannot say that about Forspoken. You know what I mean? And Forspoken uh, is like an open world, but it's like kind of a shallow open world. Oh, but I would say that it has a better open world than Final Fantasy 16 does. Uh, well, yeah, because the Final Fantasy 16 doesn't really have an open world. But you can travel like in between missions. You can travel to different places, but there's nothing to do there. Oh, there's like literally nothing to do. Um it's it's kind of wild like you can like hop over to different points in the world but like like there's no quests like every, every, between every chapter there's like two side quests that you get and usually they're just like go here talk to this person and anytime i have one of those i'm just like mashing like through the dialogue like no don't care please um so that's my hot take the final the open world in forspoken is better than final fantasy 16 but that's just because there's stuff to do in forspoken can you ride your dog like a horse no but you can ride a chocobo but not your dog not your dog. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, you you can you can command your dog in combat though. Can you pet the dog? You can pet the dog. Okay, that's and fine. If you pet him five times, you get a trophy. I mean, I probably pet it a lot more than five. Yeah, it's it's cute. You give him a little, you give him a little little, little scruffle on the head. Aww. Justin, I've also been playing Diablo Four. Holy what? shit! <laughs> Has Diablo been awesome this whole time? And everyone told me, and I just didn't listen. <laughs> I I can only speak from Diablo Three, but yeah, it's like the, it's I good. Don't, I don't know what about it. There's just something about that game that scratches this, like the primitive part of our brains <laughs> that yes. you could just keep doing it. But there's enough that you can keep doing that. You've been doing it enough times. There's always something new to scratch, something new to do, something new to go for. It's just good numbers just going up and up. And it, it's, it's, it's good. Diablo four is it's real good. Uh, and here's, here's my experience in playing Diablo four. Here's, I think I had a perhaps um, non-traditional entry into it. My roommate Josh bought it uh, on your recommendation, and he's been playing it for a week or so. 
and then he's like, "Hey, man, like if you don't, if you're kind of on the fence about buying this thing, why don't you just pick it up with me, like play couch co-op?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, you can do that." So I made a character. I had to log into my Blizzard account, but I made a character on there, and then I, I played for I don't know an hour and a half with him, and we had a really good time. And then I was like, oh, but when I buy the game, I'm definitely going to have to like re-roll a character and redo all this shit that we already did. Nope. Bought the game, turned it oh. on instantly, logged into my Blizzard account instantly. My character was already there with all the story progress we made. The whole, like the whole thing. It wow. was. Wow. I mean, it that, was perfect. That is all, I didn't know that it was that like crazy. Seamless. I thought it would be. Yes. Totally that, that is amazing. And I mean, isn't that the perfect way, though, to get more people to play your game? That's, how, that's why I bought it. Right. Like 100%. Why I bought it because yeah. it was like, oh, I got I got to try it out and taste it, and then like, I didn't think I was gonna have the character carry over, but it made me excited to play because I was like, oh my gosh, I could just pick this up again. You yeah, know what I mean, like yeah, right and, here, and literally pick up from that spot. Yeah. Um. Did you? Okay. So talk to me about like what you like about it because this is your first experience with Diablo. What kind of like drew you in? Um. It is. It is that like number thing number gets higher i do more damage i get cooler <laughs> abilities you know what i mean which yeah. is it's kind of a shallow thing but like at the end of the day like like is really good at that you know um i don't like the constant like loot aspect of it just because i don't like that in games really like i don't like having to constantly be pausing to like look at the loot i have and comparing and then like dropping it because i just feel like that gets in the way of like like a lot of enjoyment um but i really do enjoy just like running around using cool powers and what, what i've been playing entirely co-op with with my roommate um now obviously i'm on my ps5 he's on his um but like it, it's just really cool to have the ability to just like jump in and jump out of different quests and different missions and whatever and we've just been showing off new abilities you know what i mean it's always been like oh you're gonna like this i summon a big hydra you know what yeah, i mean yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. oh you're gonna like this you know he turns into a giant werewolf you know or whatever like it's cool. It, it, it's it's been fun to do like that. And then also, I think that this is a great game to play. I've been looking for something like this recently to like, I'm just trying to unwind, listen to a podcast, listen to some music. You know what I mean? I've been skipping about every single thing I can <laughs> with this story. I tried to follow it. And then it was like, it's just all miserable people going like, oh, there's demons coming. And I'm like, yeah, man, go outside. <laughs> Holy shit. It is not safe. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know um but that seems like that's what it's kind of for you know or, or like you know if you want to get into the lore and whatever you can but like for me like i don't have to and, and, and it's a good time i but. think i think there's an easy argument to make with this game that the real game starts once you beat the story um because mm, like once you beat the story that's when the leveling up starts to really happen when you like start to get into greater world tiers you get better loot there's a really good end game to this as you kind of like progress out of it. Plus, after you beat the story once, you do not have to play the story again with subsequent characters. Oh, that's kind of cool. So, yeah, you still have to start at level one and start from the beginning with another character, but you don't, you can just jump into the world just like your other characters and, and, mm -hmm. and kind of get into that, which is nice. And like, I, I, to me, I love this game and I really think Diablo 4 has kind of perfected the formula to a certain extent because it really the skilled tree for these characters is like super complex and the amount of options you have for what abilities you get to use is limiting which might seem like a negative 
But because they limit it, it creates this opportunity to create all these different builds for your character that your sorcerer could be different than my sorcerer. Um, uh, when, when I was playing, I'm a necromancer. Love it. I got like 12 people doing my bidding for me at all times. I really don't have to do anything other than stay in the back. I beat this boss, this like high level boss. I didn't even move. I just got in the arena. That's shot awesome. some projectiles from the back. I didn't even have to like dodge anything. It was awesome. But there was one particular boss I was really struggling with. I could not beat it because it was uh, a certain arena where I couldn't keep, it was one big dude and I couldn't keep summoning more uh, uh, skeletons and titans from corpses because there weren't any corpses. So I was running out. So I was like, I got to be able to beat this. I'm going to beat this myself. So I went through the skill tree, and I saw that there were some abilities that you could use or unlock that would actually produce corpses just in the arena without killing something. So I was like, oh, that'd be a really cool way to kind of spec through things. So I, I respect, which is just money, and money means nothing in this game. It's, it, you're just <laughs> yeah, constantly just getting so, so much, much money. money. Yeah. Um, so I respect it that whenever I would deal a certain amount of damage or whenever my Titan um, got hit a certain amount of times, a corpse would form. And then what basically what happened was I was able to keep getting my my skeletons out there to be like human shields for me to slowly chip away at this thing. And the fact that you can go through this skill tree and like create that kind of build to, at least in this situation, help me beat a boss was kind of cool. And like they yeah. allow you to do it and it was really easy to do. And I could even create a necromancer that didn't use corpses. I could create a damage building necromancer that is really strong mm-hmm. on its own without having summons that I would do. And if I wanted to do that, I could have specced in that way instead of the corpse way. So there's just so many different ways that you can go about creating your character that if you're ever bored of this game, it's your own damn fault. <laughs> you know, like, because if you get bored of the game, because oh, I've been using the same abilities the whole game, well, you know what you can do? Change your abilities or roll another character or there's always a different way to approach the game that it's it's constantly refreshing and constantly rewarding yeah and i think what you were saying too about the skill trees is is really important and cool too about just like you have the ability to like it's very intense when you look at it in in overwhelming overwhelming yes but what they do is you can you only have access to like one little branch of it at a time. And like as you level up, you then get access to more and more branches. So you become really familiar with like what's what you've got in the first branch for a while. And then you start looking ahead of like, oh, when I get the second branch, I'm going to go. I'm going to do this. And then like same thing. It just like keeps happening like and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where like now you totally know all the stuff that's like around and you don't have to like. But you didn't like have to like sitting down and like do a bunch of research, you know what I mean? It just happened like really organically. Yeah. It's very smart the way it's done. Um, And, and I like, at first I thought it'd be a negative. There doesn't seem to be that many classes, but there's five to start five or six, five. There's five. uh, Necromancer, sorcerer, rogue, uh, druid, and then like barbarian. Yeah. So you got your five and I thought that'd be a bad thing to start off with. I'm like, that doesn't seem like a lot of content, but like, they will release more. <laughs> and yep. not only can you like be an expert at all those five, like it's, there's so much, there's so many different ways about going about creating these characters that it's more than five. If you really think about it, like what is your primary for your sorcerer? What is your primary way of attacking people? Well, and that's the thing, right? Like 
I was trying to figure that out for a while. I was trying testing my hand at a handful of different things. And like now I've sort of like doubled down on like, okay, I'm going to use a majority of fire attacks. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so I'm doing that as a sorcerer, but then I could also do the ice attack. Like if I wanted to, I could like spec in like an ice, more of an ice mage or like, or like more of an electric mage, mage, right? Which is what I was doing initially. And then I was like, ah, I don't know. Like not all these electric abilities are like totally like doing it for me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's just cool. It's great. I'm it's glad you're, game. I'm glad you're liking it. I'm glad you're playing it. Um, how much have you played it and how, uh, so I got it yesterday. Um, I have it's been a while since I've like bought a video game. Cause like it just get, you know, so many through my job and whatever. Um, I think the last game I bought was Resident Evil four. And then before Woo. that, I couldn't even tell you. Um, but, uh, I, I picked it up yesterday and we played it from about six in the evening until 1230 at night <laughs> and then we sat down we saw indiana jones this has been like a, a like a relaxing weekend before we have like a fuck ton of stuff to do um we saw indiana jones at about noon or 11 o'clock this morning got back here at like 2 30 played that until 5 30 so when i get off the call i imagine go you back can, you can figure what circle what back we're yeah. gonna be doing yeah <laughs> Um, so, you know, like, let's, I mean, let's call it 10 hours. That's a lot. And <laughs> it's a lot like, in two days, the time, like, it goes there's away. Just always like, one gone. more thing, always one yep. more thing you can do. And all of a sudden four hours have gone by and you're like, shit, I didn't do anything. Yep. My dog is staring at me starving. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, no, so, so I am looking forward to playing more of this, uh, as, as, uh, just just a nice little game in the background, right? To relax and unwind with. Um, I know they've got like multiple like seasons of content and stuff coming. You were telling me a little bit about how like um, there's sort of a not controversy, but like people were going back and forth about like is it good or not? Because uh, when when the seasons change, you have to start from scratch with a new character. Yeah. Um, we were sort of talking about how like well that kind of sucks because you know you put all this time into a character and then you got to restart, but then you go like oh, but it's because they're gonna have new skill trees and new like different like classes and stuff like that so um it, it just keeps everyone sort of on a on a similar playing field which i think is kind of cool but so when i first when i first uh booted up diablo i was like looking at what version to buy should i buy the deluxe or not i ended up not buying the deluxe because one of the deluxe versions had like the season pass with it and i was like i don't know if i'm interested in the season pass i can always just buy it if i want it i don't need the horse yeah. armor that goes with it and then um I was looking in the store. I was like, "This when does the season start? Like, I don't even see, like, the battle pass. Like, what am I doing? Apparently, it hasn't started yet. So, like, I wasn't behind. I just didn't know that. Uh, the season actually starts the 20th of July. July uh, I think it's July 20th. July 18th. Ah, the patch was, will release on July 18th. Okay, but it so, says it was revealed July 20th. I think it, this is a typo in this article. I think it's okay, June 20th. Uh, yeah, so... Um, they recently just went through all the information from it and like basically it is uh, called the season of the malignant and basically they have like these malignant creatures that are higher class care uh, enemies that are around the whole um, area that you can kill them and then you can get malignant skills to upgrade your character and basically there are new skill trees that add I think they said here um, like 30 plus new kind of like malign malignant abilities that you can put onto your characters. So even if you have like done everything and you've all five of your characters, you've expertly like thought about each class and like the perfect thing for them. 
there will be new stuff to do with this character. But that rolling of a new character, I, I can see how people can be upset with that to a certain degree because you have to basically start again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, which, I mean, yeah, that kind of sucks. But, like, there's just more to do in this game. I think, if, if anything, it just creates all this new stuff for you to do. So I think it'll be interesting. Um, I'm excited uh, to at least try that stuff out um, when I get back. But, um, God, I wish this was on the Switch. This is like a game for the Switch. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I man. know. Would have been great. Not not a game for the the backbone though because like you cannot read those skill trees on the backbone. You need like a magnifying glass. <laughs> but they've got some when you first start it and you get set up, um, you have the option to uh, uh, scale the menu text to be bigger and all that sort of stuff. So like it might work okay. It is still a lot. It's still like it's yeah, still pretty. It's still pr- it's still pretty small. Um, as I'm sitting there trying to focus on succession uh, while I'm also trying to, like, know what the hell bone skills do. Yeah, good luck. Good luck. Justin, you want to talk about the news? Let's do it. A little bit of news to uh, talk about here today. Um, this is kind of interesting. Microsoft kind of, like, soft announced <laughs> the PlayStation 5 Slim. Huh. Um, the ultimate fuck you ps5 pro yeah uh so basically you know we've been hearing a lot uh from microsoft and sony for that matter um in the ftc case with them uh regarding the activision blizzard deal um but in one of the documents that was released publicly uh as many of these are um microsoft said that it is expecting sony to release a ps5 slim later this year at uh, $399.99, so costing $400, a PlayStation 5 Slim. Uh, they also sort of discuss the fact that they've got... Um, they, they also uh, mentioned the price for the Project Q, which is the handheld uh, cloud... Or not cloud. Yeah, remote play? Is it cloud or remote play? The remote play. The remote play um, device, which uh, they say in the document, it says, PlayStation likewise... Um, or where is this? I'm so sorry. It's uh, Sony is also anticipating to release a handheld version of the PlayStation five later this year for under $300. Yes. Which is um, interesting. I mean, we, we talked about like, what would you pay for that device? And like under $300, like that is starting to get to the point where it's like, yes, this is what people would pay. You know what I mean? What, what you could convince people to pay for it. If under $300 means two ninety nine. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah, but. like, yeah, that would be concerning to me from from a from a person who is really interested in playing this because yeah, uh, yeah, I have a backbone and yeah, I just bitched about how I can't read <laughs> the Diablo text on the backbone, right. but like for two hundred ninety nine dollars just to get a device that needs to be streaming remote play from that isn't like it's not a handheld PS five as it says yeah, right like yeah. It's not um, a switch like it's, that. That's it, yeah. harder for me to swallow. And granted, I have had great experiences um, with both cloud and um, uh, remote play on yep. my home network when I'm at home. But like if I'm at not at home, if I'm like on an airplane, per se, I don't I bet remote play wouldn't work great on, a, on an airplane. I'm assuming that does you know? not work at all. Um, <laughs> right. So um, like that, like that's harder for me to swallow at two ninety nine if I am still needing to be at home. Like I didn't buy a PSVR two for a reason. Like I don't have just two ninety nine to throw around at stuff. It's more than that though, isn't it? PSVR two. Five hundred. 
500 full American dollars. I made a good choice not doing that. <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you did. Every Yes, you did. Um, but then they also mention uh, uh, the PS5 Pro here. Um, the, in the in the document, it says PlayStation, meanwhile, currently offers two different versions of the PlayStation 5, one with a Blu-ray player for physical media standard and one without digital and is anticipated to release further differentiated pro and slim models in the near future. Obviously, they said that they're anticipating a PS5 slim later this year. Um, I imagine that would be around holiday time. Um, if if it's coming later this year, uh, they don't give a, a time frame for um a PS5 Pro other than saying in the near future. It makes sense given like the, how the PS4 like the time frame for that went with the PS4 Pro and PS4 uh, Slim. But I don't know. Like like what what do you think of all what of the idea of a ps5 slim and a ps5 pro i know we've talked about the pro a little bit but i'm i just want to hear your thoughts on this i think the slim is a good idea because at a certain point like i don't think that's necessarily targeted towards you or me we already have a ps5 it's going yep. well the slim is like this has been out for a while we are going to be making this new version of it that's probably more cost effective for sony and is also probably just better built than the ps5 um, and it's it, it to me it's like you know diehard gaming fans are gonna get a ps5 no matter what it looks like yeah if like my dad let's say he doesn't play video games but if my dad let's say was like oh i want to get a playstation oh i've got to devote six square feet in my house to it you know what i mean and it's gonna look it's gonna look really ugly <laughs> you know he's probably that's probably not for him you know did you see these mock-ups of the ps5 slim um, it's basically taking no. the PS five and stretching it out. So it's skinny, but even taller. <laughs> oh, oh, it's just this yeah. image here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, which I find it'd be pretty image. funny. Like if that's what they actually did, like it's, it's taller, but it's, it's very narrow. Um, that's the thing. It's just like, it's a big system in general. Like it is a, like people complained about like the Xbox one and like, yeah, that is a big console, but like the PS five is fucking huge, man. Like yeah. I'm going to say though, I don't have a problem placing um my ps5 into most entertainment systems that the series x that box it doesn't fit into a, a like a lot of slots for like tv stands now granted i probably need a new tv stand because it's old but like it just doesn't like fit like the same size as a vcr <laughs> yeah but that, yeah, no, that's, that's that's fair because it's because it's like it's like a rectangle as opposed it's like to this a, which is like yeah it's it's like, like it's like flat. smaller overall but like because of its boxy the box yeah. shape yep, of yep, it yep, it yep. just doesn't necessarily fit in the same way but um that's neither here nor there i like how i can hide my xbox series x so no one knows it's there but you cannot hide that ps5 you know no you got a ps5 there that thing is is bold um in terms of a PS5 Pro, I I think that probably will happen. I think that that's what's been happening with consoles. It's like this is nothing new. I'm sure Series X is thinking about their next iterative version of it. Like that just seems normal and natural with what the progression is. And I normally am, you don't think so? Uh no, no, I'm I'm just I'm listening to you. Keep going. Because I think with that though, those don't speak to me usually. The reason I bought a um, OLED uh, OLED switch was because, first of all, I needed new Joy-Cons. So for an additional 180, I was able to, to, to buy the system instead of new Joy-Cons. But also the screen was significantly different enough and it looks significantly better to me that that was worth it. 
I don't necessarily am not the kind of person who's slightly better graphics or slightly better processing speed is going to be the thing that makes me buy it. So I don't necessarily know if I need a PS5 Pro, but there are people out there who would want and need the best running hardware. I guess that's that's my thing, right? Is like we have a like like PlayStation games are already fast, already run great. You know what I mean? Like like they are already like pretty much instant loads like to the point where if it was one second faster, it would be like no difference. You know what I mean? Um, and then also in terms of like processing power, like I, I really don't think we've seen a game that's like really pushed the PlayStation five to what it can do. Right. I was talking to my roommate a little bit about this and he was saying like, well, there are, there are a bunch of games that don't run great. I'm like, yeah, but it's not because of the power of the PS five. It's because of the optimization. You know what I mean? Um, it, it's, it's like not because they're of the limitations of the hardware. It's because of the way it was made. Um, you look at something like control, that game showed us on the PS4 and the Xbox One, hey, games are starting to hit the capacity of what's power, possible on the power, the power of these, these, this hardware, right? Um, because that, that game just didn't run. You know, maybe it was an optimization thing, but like, I, I think that when you have like a thousand different physics objects that all look fantastic, you know what I mean? In, in these like environments and stuff, like at a certain point, like you just need more power behind it. But like, I can't think of a game that's like I've set, like looked at and gone like, wow, this would not be possible on even the PS4, right? There, there are a handful of things that like, you know, the loading, sure, that that helps. But like, there's just nothing to me that says like, oh, the PS4 Pro is going to be a, a noticeable step up from the PS5 base version. And the other thing with that is not only like when the PS4 Pro came out, yes, there was the additional hard like uh, uh power behind it right but that secretly was not actually what the ps4 pro was about that's what the gamers all talked about but what the ps4 pro was actually about was about tvs and 4k tvs because 4k tvs became a thing that were affordable and like that or rather more affordable right that was like the next big jump in terms of like uh, uh picture clarity and, and image resolution right 8k the ps5 supports the xbox series x already support the problem is 8K TVs are, are like wildly, wildly expensive and just like not something that is like being commercially sold to like regular people for their TVs. And it seems like isn't going to be sold commercially for five, 10 years just because like at a certain point, you're just you're just not going to notice the difference between 4K and 8K. You know what I mean? But and that's, that's just where I'm at with it. And I don't even know if 8K is going to be the thing that most TVs adopt. Like 4K now exactly. seems to be like the high standard of it. There's no exactly. guarantee that 8K is the next step. It might just be this like UHD that no one actually goes to. Yeah, it looks great. But like, is that going to be worth the technology jump? Um, yeah. I don't disagree with you. I, I again, I do not see a purpose for me getting this. I do not. Right. Um, but there we still as gamers in this generation have to make a choice between performance and between um, fidelity um, in certain games. Sure. And perhaps you could say that maybe on this pro version, you're not going to have to make those choices anymore. You can choose both. Um, Not every developer is optimizing like you can with like uh, a, uh, insomniac how they're just like okay so we initially had that but eventually you can kind of like what if cheat. we just did both yeah we'll do time. both it'll yeah. be fine um so perhaps that that could lead to not having to make that choice you get both you get both performance you get both better graphics sure but sure. 
a lot of these studios, yeah, it, like, yeah, optimization, I think, is an important thing, but sometimes studios don't have the resources or the time the thing, right? in order to actually optimize their games. So if you're allowing with a with more processing power studios to more easily reach these levels, that might help, but you have two different markets then. You have the original PS5 and you have the PS5 Pro. So like, what are they going to be developing for? Are they going to be developing for the Pro or are they going to be developing the PS5? What is there more out there of? The PS5. They're going to focus more on the PS5. So like, there are very few use cases where I think having a Pro console is worth it. My thing that this makes sense to me, this is just what consoles have been doing. This is what the iteration of technology is. Yeah. Um, our consoles are unfortunately or fortunately basically glorified PCs now. Yeah. You got a better, a little bit of better chip in there, a little bit of better processing power in there. Some people that matters too. It ain't me. Mm-hmm. I don't need this. The slim makes sense on every level because yes, they're, opti- they're optimizing the hardware. They're making a more affordable hard, uh, uh, console for the future that eventually will be the standard they did that with a ps4 they did that with ps3 i think they did with xbox 360 and beyond so um because i think i got the 360 elite too i think that was one you got uh, oh uh oh where it was like black yeah because i got two i have two 360s because i'm a broken human for whatever reason but um i got i got two right there one is the uh the reissued one that they did after the Red Ring of Death yeah. shit happened with the original run. And the second one um, is a GameStop exclusive Assassin's Creed 1 Xbox 360. <laughs> <laughs> and then below that is my Quantum Break Xbox One. <laughs> um, uh, boy, those, yeah, are, yeah. those are really worthless to hold on to now because the Series X is so good at backwards compatibility, aren't they? Yeah, but doesn't it look so cool in my no, Oh, no, it does, <laughs> it does, it does. Something that you couldn't, you absolutely, you see how it's kind of Assassin's creed how yeah. it's kind of blue? <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of pointing at it right here. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah but, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, like <laughs> my thought, our thoughts, I feel like, are like, people just love talking about this. Because every, every four months, someone on the internet, some Twitter leaker or whatever is like, I heard they're working on a PS5 Pro or like a PS5 Slim. Just like the most obvious fucking like, yeah well, yeah <laughs> right like and then it's just like everyone just like has to talk about it and like uh, we're talking about it now so hey look at us like, i i just like exactly the same I, I just like the the fact though that this isn't just a random twitter leaker this is fucking microsoft <laughs> well right right but that's the thing because yeah, yeah. microsoft pays attention to gaming trends right yeah. so they have to go like yeah we think they're gonna do this because they like they do this sort of stuff you know what yeah. i mean like this is a very common thing to happen um so <laughs> Shout out Microsoft. Big, big, <laughs> big leaks coming from, from good old uh, 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 Bill Gates. Justin, uh, similar, similar rumors have been going around about the Switch. Um, I mean, here's my, here's my, I'm a clairvoyant. Here, I'm a leaker. Here, I have inside information. A new Switch is, a new Nintendo hardware is coming. What? I know. Um, uh, there, Nintendo itself actually kind of leaked this, though. Uh oh. <laughs> by, uh, uh, on one of their their website portals for developers uh for developer support rather um they have a list of all of their hardware that they offer developer support for and so on the list it says nintendo 3ds wii u nintendo switch and then nx2 um now the nx was the original code name for the switch back before it launched in 2017 um so nx2 seems to be whatever is next for the company 
Um, it would make sense. We've talked about how the Switch is at the end of its lifespan uh, and how it would make sense for a new Switch to be coming out at any point now. I don't know if we're expecting it to be this year, just based on the fact that um, we kind of already have an idea as to what to expect from the Switch through the end of 2023, but um, 2024 seems uh, pretty likely. Um, and then on top of that, uh, they're they're closing their uh, service for Switch repairs. Um, so they're not going to be continuing to... Um, you're not going to be able to ship them your Switch if it's broken, and they're going to fix it for you anymore, um, which is what... I mean, if you might be outraged by that, like, hey, companies do that when they move on to new hardware because they're just not going to keep the components for that sort of stuff around anymore. But um, what do you think of this? I mean, a lot of this is pretty pretty in the same vein of, like, do we need a new Switch? Yes. Or do we need a new Nintendo console? Sure. You know, but uh, where, where do you fall? I, 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 I'm ready to have another Switch in my life because much yeah. like why I bought the OLED, like, I also need new Joy-Cons again. So I'm at the, at the least, I could do it now. My question about this is, is this a new console or is this just a better switch? And according to the developer support thing, this may be reading a little bit too deep into the tea leaves here, but it's this their joy cons on the NX2. And I think the code name being NX2. NX2, a thousand percent, same page, go on. Right. It's not like a whole new console. It is going to be a better Switch that maybe you can't play every game from uh, the Switch 2 or NX2 on your old Switch, but it looks like it's going to be an iteration of the Switch. They're not doing something super crazy again that they're going to like have a whole new start to it, which I think personally would be silly. Um, like if they decided to like, oh, remember that Wii U thing? Let's actually go back to that, except uh, we'll have two screens on your Switch. Maybe that's what they're going to do, but I don't think that is their their will benefit them as much. And I don't think that's what they're going to be doing with this because the switch is doing fucking great. Yep. Still. And the, th- the thing that is holding the switch back is its hardware, not its idea. I think the idea is a solid idea. I think this is the perfect like apex of what Nintendo can become. You have your handheld, you have your home console all in one. This is what they've been building for. This is Nintendo. They're not going to mess with that. I think they're going to give us a better, more iterative version of the Switch that has better hardware, maybe some new designs of Joy-Cons, but I would assume that old Joy-Cons can still be used on this. That's the thing. I think I think you're pretty much right on the money there, right? Like they don't want to abandon the like the Switch is so synonymous with video games in general, right? So like even if you're not really someone who follows video games or follows video games at all, you probably would recognize a Switch and be able to say, "Oh, that's a Nintendo device," right? Um so they're not they're not going to abandon everything they've set up with the Switch here. I mean, like that would be surprising. And and agreed. The fact that it's called the NX2 makes me think like, yeah, they're it is a follow-up to the Switch in one way or another. Hopefully, it pushes the boundaries. And I would hope that it is something new. I want something a little bit newer, personally. Um, just because, I, I don't know, we've had the Switch for a while. I'd love to see what else they've got in mind. Because they come up with weird shit. You know what I mean? Like, the Wii is weird, man. The Wii U, while it's not, it wasn't very successful, it's still weird and kind of interesting, you know? And, and a company like Nintendo is clearly willing to take risks like that. And then you got the Switch, which also is weird and when it came out for the time a handheld and also a, a home console that's kind of odd you know so I, I i'm interested to see what they come up with next um but i agree i think it is going to be something in the vein of being a switch i hope it's more than just a switch that has a better processor and, and a you know maybe a higher resolution like handheld screen but um 
I, I'm really willing to to accept whatever they got for I, us. I hope that whatever they do with it, at the very least, they find a way to make me be able to play it while I'm in bed without shutting off the feeling in my in my hands from the nerve damage I have from like laying back and like just pinching them. You gotta get. Have you seen people have like for their beds? Like little like holders that you can like slot oh like put the, it over you like a little like yeah. like a little fishing thing yeah <laughs> yeah so like it goes over your head yeah and then you can just have the joy cons down um, yeah um, yeah I, I mean I I will yeah I don't know if that will fit the aesthetic vibe we are going for in the bedroom but um, nor should I necessarily assume to do marathon sessions of a video game in bed um, I should probably fix that about myself but um, how i beat xenoblade chronicles 3 (laughs) it's your middle of the night just in tears (laughs) that happened that's what happened that is what happened elena was asleep she had work and i was like trying to be like like, little like sobs um justin uh banjo kazooie a a favorite of yours i knew that was coming i knew anytime (laughs) we bring it up that is coming um uh a few years ago, Xbox, uh, uh, who was it? Uh, oh, Phil Spencer. Yeah, he said that. <laughs> Hello, Banjo. <laughs> Hello, Kazooie. <laughs> Little amiibo there. Um, he said that if there, if anyone's interested in, in doing a, a revival of the series that's going to be rare, is going to be the one who's going to be... It's, it's up to them, essentially. And we haven't really heard anything about it. But um, uh, Grant Kirkhope, who I believe is the composer for the series and uh, composed the music for ukulele and all that sort of stuff. Um, he had some some comments about like the future of games like that. He said, um, I feel like you, you'd you have to get a great team with the humor um, that we had back then, and that's hard to replicate. I think Rare would be open to somebody if they found the right team, but I don't feel like that team really exists. Also, I'm not convinced the audience is there either. I don't feel like there are many Banjo fans out there. The whole Smash thing was spectacular. It really was. I think all the team that worked on the game had a tear in their eye when Banjo turned up in Smash Bros. It was just unbelievable release of emotion. Seeing all those fans crying in the videos was heartwarming, and we all felt it. That was a lifetime event um, when that happened. But I still feel like there uh, is there that multi-million dollar thing within Banjo-Kazooie. I'm not convinced there is. What do you think? There is. It's... Look at Mario. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, it's, it's just like, like people like 3D platformers if they're good 3D platformers. Yeah. Like, if you, you, know, if like, you make a good game, accessible game, people will play it. And, like, yeah, oh man, Nuts and Bolts didn't do well. I wonder why, because that game was a piece of garbage. Like, like I mean, it was, apparently it was ahead of its time. Yeah. As the <laughs> spiritual prequel to Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, I mean, that is true, actually. <laughs> um, create your, like, horror machine out there. Yeah. Um, I think it's out there. I, I, I do think it's hard to think about it though because um i just pulled up this was april 30th of last year so this is of 2022 um psychonauts 2 was listed as double fine's best-selling game at at least 1.7 million copies sold um which seems like a lot remember it was on game pass too your boy didn't buy it because i played on game pass right so like 1.7 million is a good number um and I'm sure it did even better with Game Pass. But this also makes me wonder about like the value add in that question of Game Pass. Does that hurt sales numbers when we're looking at this? I'm sure Double Fine was happy with how Psychonauts 2 did. And I'm using Psychonauts 2 because that's like a character platformer, goofy, kind of the same vein of what Banjo could be. And, and it's like an Xbox property, right? Yep. That... Um is not Mario, right? Because yeah. uh, like people think of like 3D platformers, Mario is always going to be the best-selling 3D platformer of all time, right? Like that's just how it is. So, but you have to look at like other 3D platformers that um, have a sense of humor and a sense of style and all that sort of stuff. And I think Psychonauts is a great comparison point, right? Um, 
yeah, I, like I just I disagree, right? And, and maybe Ukulele didn't succeed because, to my understanding, it was not a very good game. Unfortunately, like, th- like that's just how it goes when when your game isn't great, you know. Um, but so I I don't know. Like I I think that if you make a good game, people are going to play it. I think it might not be a smash multi billion dollar franchise, right? But I I think people are are still interested or even like I've never played a banjo and kazooie banjo kazooie game but like I'd give it a shot you know if if it comes out and it would come out on game pass because rare is owned by xbox you know um so I don't know what do you think I mean like does that sound like what you think I I definitely think I I think it is like if you create a quality game people come and play it and ukulele like maybe it wasn't the huge sales success but like remember like that was one of the first like it's a huge Kickstarter game the huge one of the huge Kickstarter games that people wanted to do now granted that that studio I don't think was as big at the time but then they came out with ukulele in the possible layer which is a different version like it's the same characters and everything but that was a honest to goodness good 2D platformer um that was created like I think it it's it stands up it's good Te- technology wise it's good like you create a good game you create good stuff people come to it and I do think Banjo Kazooie is the kind of the kind of 3d platformer that will get people interested now that all being said if this was talking about this is coming out on the switch that's a much different story than xbox because i honestly don't know if the average xbox gamer is the kind of gamer who would be excited about a 3d platformer um and like and not not that they maybe maybe i'm speaking out of turn by saying it's the gamer who plays xbox i'm not i don't want to stereotype Xbox is not known for its 3D platformers. Correct. And I know they have Double Fine. I know they have Rare, but like it's that that's not what people come to Xbox for generally. So if it yes. comes there, hey, that's great. I'm awesome. I have Game Pass. I'll play it. But like I, I think if you create a, a 3D platformer on the Switch, that's where you'll have an audience who's looking for these 3D platformers. But ultimately, yep. it's about creating a good, good game. If you can create a good game, people will come to it and people will love it. And with the name recognition like Banjo-Kazooie, I think you get the right team together. I think it would be a, a huge success. And published by Xbox Game Studios. Like, people play their games. You know, like, people try their games because they are a major co- corporation. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and like, yeah like you know like make a good game people will come like sometimes sometimes not right like sometimes great games don't see the sales that that you'd hope but like i I think that there is a lot in the corner of banjo kazooie that that i think they'd just be just fine but that's just my take on it justin uh let's talk about ai for a second i uh hate talking about ai because it's usually just like uh here's a fun reminder that your job, Peter, might be gone. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and that companies um, don't really care. Uh, <laughs> companies don't understand why people, why it's important to have real life people write things. I don't know if you saw any of the, like, I think Gizmodo uh, is owned by a company called Geo Media, which is own, like uh, owns The Onion and Kotaku and all sorts of other websites. Started releasing its first AI generated articles it released one about Star Wars, about the like order you should watch the Star Wars shows in or the, the Star Wars movies and shows in. And first of all, it gets a bunch of stuff wrong. And second of all, um, AI isn't good at writing. So it it's bad. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like it's just one of those things. And so everyone was in a huff about that. Um, rightly so, in my opinion. But uh, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about uh, AI voice acting. Hmm. Um, 
we we've I don't know if we've ever talked directly on the show about this, but like uh, AI voices have been a thing that have been sort of cropping up more and more recently. Uh, notably, weirdly enough, talking about Star Wars, um, James Earl Jones, I believe, does not do the voice for Darth Vader anymore. I think uh, it is it's an AI that does all that. Um, so like the voice in like the Obi Wan Kenobi show, the Darth Vader voice is an AI doing that. It's not James Earl Jones anymore. Um, or, or they had an AI do the voice for Luke in the Mandalorian or not the Mandalorian, um, the Boba Fett show. Uh, and that was really obvious because there's just the inflection wasn't there, but, um, uh, Erica Lindbeck, Erica Lindbeck is the voice of Futaba, uh, in persona five among many other, uh, uh, characters and games and, and anime and TV shows and all that sort of stuff. Uh, she left Twitter because she was being bullied over, um, the fact that she called out and asked for a video to be removed that had Futaba from persona five singing. Welcome to the internet. It's a Bo Burnham song from like 2010. Um, and the, the voice that was doing it was an AI replication of her voice doing the Futaba voice. And so she, as someone who makes her living off of doing voices and stuff like that was, uh, concerned and asked the video to be removed. And, and she uh, then was met by outrage from people saying like, Oh, just like, it's so it's not, it's not a big deal on Twitter, which anytime you look at Twitter for opinions, I think you're going to end up with um, some of the worst possible out there. But um, what do you think about just the general idea of AI voice acting and, and Erica Lindbeck's response? Was she right to ask for it to be taken down? Where, where do you fall with this whole thing? I'm, I'm conflicted because uh, I've said this before. The genie's out of the bottle with this stuff. Yes. This isn't going away. This is not like suddenly there's like, I mean, this is the future, right? And I know that sounds kind of weird, but think about 20 years ago. Uh, when let's maybe 30 years ago when someone's like, I have this idea for a search engine that you can just search for stuff and uh, you'll find it. And then we have some people who are like, well, what about these experts in these fields? What about like I write encyclopedias like that's yeah. my, that's my profession. What am I going to do about that? Well, adaptation happens. Industries change. Things change. Voice acting is unfortunately one of those things that it seems like AI is getting better and better and better at replicating people's voices and able to come up with good language. I saw uh, the weirdest fucking interview ever of someone interviewing an AI that they had put a voice modulator on. So they asked it a question, the AI responded, and then the AI voice generator responded with the text that the AI did. So they were literally having an interview with the AI. <laughs> like that was talking and responding back in basically real time. So obviously in some cases, in order to have like this, like notoriety of a person, you need to have that voice to begin with. This wouldn't have been an issue unless, um, uh, there was like already, um, like audio samples out there, um, of, um, Erica Lindbeck, right? Like she needed to have her voice initially in order to have someone AI create, a version of her singing something, right? Yeah. So she still had to have her stuff out there. So I think from the perspective, there is always going to be this need for the creator, whether the creator is the actual voice actor or eventually the person who programs the voice that is that is going there, assuming it's a, a real voice. I think the tricky part with this situation comes in there is how do you own like, how do you get rights or how do you have monetization on your voice? I think the problem with Erica Lindbeck here is that 
she didn't give permission for this voice to be used. It was her voice, even if it was AI generated. You don't have control of your voice anymore because it's online. Like, that's a legal gray area that, to be honest, we've already been surfing through. Um, think about how many content creators use thumbnails that don't pay for all the images that they they get. They don't right. they don't own all those rights and those things like that. Some people do, but for the most part, I don't think that's how a lot of these YouTubers do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's already a legal gray area about who owns these images, who owns this stuff, a let's play, who owns the let's play. We've talked about this kind of stuff. So I think the content is going to be kind of changing in how it's produced, but also I think the legal battles that are going to surround this stuff are going to get so complicated, convoluted, and murky that while right now Erica Lindbeck might not be the the, the person who has enough fame, notoriety, and money to sue to get this case, but what happens when, I don't know, let's, let's use Google, for example. Uh, there's an AI that replicates Google. <laughs> <laughs> and like Google's like, wait, no, that's our company. You can't be a Google. You're not Google. You're an AI. And then Google goes and sues this AI company, whatever, that's impersonating Google. That's how eventually this stuff is going to get high enough and there'll be enough stakes and enough money and stuff and that that I think there'll be lawsuits to start to regulate this stuff in a very different way. And unfortunately, I feel like a lot of these lawsuits aren't going to go in the favor that people want. I mean, look at the government now with with what people want and stuff like that. So I think we're in this really transitionary time. And I think it is worrisome to a point for all the unknowns, but it's also worrisome and odd because this is a part in our lives when we are sitting here in our in our you know 20s and 30s witnessing technology change in a very visible and drastic way. Yeah. And my heart goes out to Erica Lindbeck here for, first of all, being bullied off of Twitter for voicing yeah, concerns about something. I find that to be the most ridiculous part of this story. But this AI voice impersonation stuff, I mean, you've scrolled through TikTok or Twitter or whatever you have when you see like you have uh, a Biden, Trump and Obama on Call of Duty. <laughs> Dude, it's going to take it's going to take one thing where you have. Uh, it's going to be a clip, a real clip of the president or someone important. It's going to be a real clip of them talking and someone is going to slip in something that they didn't say. And it's going to be a real thing. And it's going to sound like something they could have said. It's not going to be them talking about fucking Pokemon Emerald or whatever the hell they talk about on YouTube. Right. It's going to be a, re it's going to be a very legitimate thing that they said, and that's going to circle. And that is going to be a big problem. Like that's going to be a huge problem. Cause I think like misinformation now is just such a fucking nightmare because, because the government has no interest in combating misinformation because now they use it because well, they've always used it, but like they use it in such a more like obvious and plain way by just lying. Right. Like, and, and they're perfectly comfortable lying and being disproven and still saying like, no, I'm still right. You know? Um, so yes, it's going to be, it's going to take something like that or it's going to take someone doing it to Taylor Swift and then Taylor Swift will do it because that's how it works. Apparently it's just, if Taylor Swift can say, fuck off, I'm, doing this they're gonna do it right um yeah gosh I, this this whole thing makes me just feel so icky um just because like uh, again like the like being bullied off twitter like that's for 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 raising a concern about your line of work and for coming out and saying like hey you cannot use my voice like that is her right 
You know what I mean? Like, like in my opinion, that is her right to say you cannot use my voice. Something that she makes her livelihood off of. Fuck off, y'all. Like, if, if you are against her being able to say that and, and t- like, what, what a nightmare. Um, but then I, I think, like, it is so scary that, like, companies are going to start to see stuff like this and go like, oh, well, we don't need real actors anymore because it's going to be infinitely cheaper to deal with. And I, I think it's just, like, it's so obvious why it is important to have a human being um, acting because they understand and they interpret and the machines can't, you know what I mean? Uh, you know how AI writing works? The AI that you're talking to, it's a chat bot. It's not an AI. The chat bot that you're talking to writes its sentence one word at a time. Have you ever written a sentence one word at a time with your friends where you go back and forth and you're trying to tell a story? It, it, it doesn't make good. It's not, it's not a well-written story. There's no like thought that goes into it because you can't because you're, you're, you are not looking ahead. You can't do, do any sort of interpretation or any sort of meaning out of something like that. Any sort of deep meaning, because it, it's just impossible. You know, it's just, it, it's an incredibly simple structure to make something out of. And you know, maybe it's going to get better. I imagine it will, because that's just how technology goes. Right. But like, it's it's not good now, and the problems with AI doing this sort of stuff are not going to change because a machine cannot interpret, right? Machines cannot, like, or they can interpret, but they can't, like, the, the human factor of all of this is still what is important, and it's something I think that's going to be overlooked by companies and stuff like that, and and this whole story just makes me sad and mad and the whole the whole shit. But we, I mean, we've seen stuff like this before. Like it's just going to, I think, become more and more prevalent. And it's just a little bit notable just because it's like, oh, hey, this voice actress who's very prolific and, and well-known in the space um, is having these issues. And then the community around her then turned it all on her in a way that is gross and sad. Yeah. So first of all, like more of the story, don't be a fucking mean person on Twitter. Be, 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 yeah, be just, better. Just like, two people be emp- like empathize and go like, Oh yeah. Like, wow. I bet that would be kind of harsh and scary. Weird. Yeah. Weird that that would solve a lot of issues. If you go, just look go at figure, a, a, go figure. Here's, here's what I want you to take away from Hitbox. All right. We're not going to talk to you for two whole weeks, right? Next, the next episode, by the way, is going to be on, um, August 2nd. So just keep that in mind. Takeaway is just like empathize. What's wrong with you? Empathize. Ask, ask how, how that person feels and, and go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I get it. And also ask. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you so much, Banjo. Thank you so much, Kazooie. I, wow. I mean, they said it better than I could. So let's just leave it at that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The end. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, thanks so much for listening to our <laughs> podcast. Uh, we do appreciate you. Like we said, we're going to be gone for two weeks. Justin's going to be on a honeymoon and then he's going to come back and he's going to tell us all about Rome and France and what it's, countries are in between there. Or are you just going to those two? We're going to Rome and France, but there will be a train ride that I don't know if we're going to leave either Rome or France. I'm sure we will at some point, like in the train ride. Like, I, I don't know Europe well enough. Yeah, I think you. I think you'll travel through other countries, right? I hope so. Oh uh, no, 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 no! Italy shares a border with France. Oh, it does. Okay, okay. Yeah, Europe. Map. Although, if, depending on where you're going and depending on like how it goes, you might go through Switzerland. Uh, we might. Um, uh, we might. We might. We might. Which well, I've been to. Oh, you've been to Swiss. Where have you been in Europe? Uh, so when I was a kid, I went to Switzerland for two weeks, and then um, after that. Me and my brother went to Germany 
for a week, drove through the Netherlands and Belgium and France into England, Ooh. and then flew home from England. That's fun. Yeah, it was kind of cool. Wait, did you have to fly to get to England? No, we took a boat across the English Channel. Ooh, on a car? Like you were on a car in a boat, like at the beginning of Alan Wake? Uh, exactly like that. Uh, although we weren't in the car, we just got out and s- sat in the little uh, the little observation bay. That's you pretty know what I'm cool. Saying? That's pretty cool. The deck, I believe, is what it, uh, the boat. <laughs> um, Remember to caulk your deck. Yeah, make sure to caulk that deck. Wait, gross. <laughs> Wait, gross. Uh, now that I'm recorded saying that, and that's the last thing you guys are going to hear from us for two full weeks. It checks Jump out. Jump into our Discord server. Discord link is in the description of the episode. Support us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash hitboxpod. $1 podcast producer. $3 deluxe podcast producer like Jay Nolan, like Dave Parker. You get those bonus episodes. Again, deluxe podcast producers, listen to this week's bonus episode. We're going to tell you exactly what to expect from content from us while Justin is away. Um... And if you can't do that, that's all good. You can support us by following us on Twitter at HitboxPod or uh, uh, rating this episode in your podcast player of choice. That would do a whole lot for us, mean a whole lot to us. Justin, am I missing anything? You're missing. You're just a fantastic human being, and you do a great job of this each and every week. Uh, well, Justin, I'm going to miss you a whole lot. Uh, I hope you have a lot of fun in Italy. Uh, I hope you get to have some delightful pasta. Before we go, what is your favorite pasta shape? Go. Farfalle. It's like a bow tie. It's like bow tie or it is bow tie? It looks like a bow tie. Farfalle. Yeah, I'd fuck with that. Yeah, it, it's the perfect amount to like get whatever sauce is on it. But if you're eating something else, I'm a more stabber than a twirler when it comes to sure. my pastas. It's a lot yep. less messy. Because sometimes... Do you eat pasta with a spoon ever? Because sometimes it, it's, I think it's, you can. it's the way to I go. Don't think, if you get a, yeah, I wouldn't hate that. Man, you can. And it, I've even gotten the mini farfowl before. Oh, sure. That oh, good. man. Oh, man. That does something. You get a spoonful of that. Oh, it's like you're eating a chili. My favorite is a two-way tie between rigatoni. I'm a big fan of the big circle. And then uh, tortellini. I like the cheese. I yeah. like the meats. I like the whole thing. Yeah. I never order tortellini if I'm at a restaurant, though, because they give you like three and assume it's enough. Yeah, it's never enough. It's, it's like, never, you know, I need enough. at least a bucket full. <laughs> uh, agreed. Thank you so much for listening. We will catch you in August. Always remember, while we're gone, what's that? Uh, I'm hearing it here. Old games are old. Bye. Bye. I'll stop recording. <laughs> <laughs>